Hey there, beautiful soul. Welcome to another episode of the Bright Living Podcast. This is Emma and I'm so grateful to be your host today. Before we even begin, I invite you to do a small exercise with me. I really want to make sure that you're taking in all that is being said here. Wherever you are right now, start noticing your own breath. You may stop what you're doing or you may keep going if you were walking or washing the dishes or doing the laundry. (laughs) And whatever you do, bring your attention to your own breath. Notice the sensations of the breath and gently feel your breath expanding. Feel yourself breathe fuller, deeper, without making a lot of effort, just by relaxing. Do you think it's possible to be engaged and breathe fully at the same time? Try it. Do that for about five breaths. And finally, come back to the sound of my voice. Welcome back. Now we are fully settled and ready to jump in into meaningful conversations. I do want to share that I'm recording this podcast while I'm traveling throughout Portugal and I'm camping at the moment. So if you hear any crickets or any children, dogs, just welcome it into our experience because it's simply life. We very rarely have conversation in a completely quiet place, don't we? And the environment is not something that should be pushed out or away, but is something that should be included. At the same time, of course, creating a safe space and a space where we can fully bring our attention towards each other. The conversation we're having today is on how to build a practice that sticks. I see a lot of openness around yoga, around meditation, journaling, running, breathwork. A few years ago, I would worry about the resistance around these practices. Now I don't see that anymore. Now I see a lot of openness, a lot of eagerness to try to include, to create space for that. What I see, though, a lot is people abandoning their practice early or simply developing, um, I could say, toxic relationship to their practice. A practice where there's a lot of pressure and this kind of practice does not tend to stick. Building your own practice is so important that you want to make sure that you're doing it right. And this may sound counterintuitive because you might already know how important it is and that's what might be causing some pressure inside of you to make it right or or to get it right. As counterintuitive as it may sound, to take the pressure out of building your own practice is actually the way to do it. Why is this so important? In my life, practice has been incredibly relevant and there are things that I learned that I would like to share with you. When we think about our own healing, 
We might think that it's like a leap. You go from place A to place B. You do some things, you include some habits, and one day you wake up and you are radiant, you are feeling good, you are able to focus, you feel good in your body. But truth be told, it's a process. Your healing doesn't automatically show up. Healing is something that happens progressively, with small steps and relevant action. There is a concept that I believe in, which is called the quantum leap. But the quantum leap is a result of small steps and relevant action. When we talk about bright living, we have to talk about practice. We say that practice makes perfect. I don't believe in perfect. I believe in process and in progress. And practice makes for a bright living. Bright living is a journey. It's not a destination. When you think of your own healing as a journey, you may feel some relief. In a journey, you may have a detour. You may bump into something. You may stop and rest. And it might be relieving to hear that if it's a journey and you've taken a detour, you can always come back to it. But in order for you to come back to it, you need to have some guidelines. You need to know what the main road looks like. You need to recognize the lights and come back to them. You need to know what feels good to you so that you always come back to that. When you hear that your healing is like a journey, you might also feel some pressure around it. Like, what are you supposed to expect at the end of the journey? What are you actually getting out of it? Or where are you actually getting? With this being said, maybe you're someone who told themselves, I really want to start a practice, but you feel some hardship around it. You feel some resistance to it. Maybe you've started already, you've had some bad experiences, you felt discouraged, disappointed, and you've abandoned your practice. If you're listening to this, you're someone who feels you just can't go on like that anymore. You just can't keep walking around with a fog over your mind. You're tired of being tired. You're tired of snapping at people. Don't worry, we all do that when in stress. You're tired of being annoying. You're tired of feeling overwhelmed. You just don't want to feel the way you feel right now anymore. So you want to bring something in your life that can turn things around. And creating a practice can really come in handy. And putting down all that heaviness on your nervous system. You might be in a place where you really want to commit either to journaling or meditation or yoga or just a sleep routine that you feel would really get you going and joyful and shining again. And at the same time, while there's that desire, you might feel a lot of resistance when it comes to it. So in this episode, I'd like to speak to you about what might be holding you back. I want to share with you five ways in which you might be sabotaging unconsciously your own practice and five remedies for that. If you notice any of these in yourself, just make sure you approach it with a lot of love. Be sure that these things are very common and most of the time they're unconscious. It's so important to acknowledge these patterns around our own practice because to heal the way we sabotage our practice is a healing practice in itself. And I'm going to say that again. To heal the ways we sabotage our own practice 
is a healing practice in itself. So here are five reasons why you might have a hard time including a healing practice in your life. First of all, you're afraid of not getting it right. You think the practice should look a certain way and you don't want to disappoint or look bad or be bad at it. You think it should be a specific meditation or a certain kind of yoga. And I see this a lot of times. When we're kids, we tend to want to explore, we tend to want to try new things, but unfortunately, as we get older, we tend to develop a lot of resistance around something new that's maybe uncomfortable, that we might be not so good at in the beginning, that might make us look a bit strange or might make us feel a bit vulnerable. This might get in the way of you actually starting your own practice. So what's the remedy for this? The remedy is when you're at the beginning, start your own way and keep your own way. This is so important. Explore what works for you. You might hear a lot, it's important to be consistent in your practice. And I do agree with that. But to that, I will say, there are some things in your practice that should be consistent and some things that should not. The fact that you practice in itself should be consistent. The timing and duration should be consistent. The space should be consistent. What you do exactly in your practice does not have to be consistent, does not have to look a certain way. What you do in that time that you have set for your own practice will always evolve. So if you're in the beginning, make it a practice and make it a purpose to explore and try. That's it. In the beginning, play. Explore, try. Then listen to your body's feedback. And this is how you learn. This is how your body integrates. This is how your body remembers and learns, oh, this is good for me. This is how you'll want to be doing it again. Play. Try, explore, and enjoy. There's nothing to get right. There's no technique that you have to get by the book. Of course, you can be educated. You can study. You can be curious about how to do it. But make sure to have a playful and exploratory attitude around it. You're not supposed to have a linear evolution in your practice, whatever that practice may be. Let's say, not meditation, not yoga, let's say you want to take up sleep. And you start to judge yourself a lot around the time you should sleep, how you should be sleeping. Maybe you say, oh, I don't have a healthy sleep routine because I go to sleep at 11 p.m. and not 10 p.m. But maybe your ideal sleep time is 12 p.m. Or maybe your ideal sleep time is 11 p.m or 11.30. And the fact that you stress a lot about doing it right actually beats the purpose and is not helping you at all relax around sleeping. When it comes to meditation, a lot of people give up meditation because they think it should look a certain way, there should be a certain position, I should have my, my mind completely empty, otherwise it's not good. And to think like that is to actually miss the process of meditation itself. Meditation will not always be by the book, will not always look perfect. Meditation might be full of thoughts sometimes. 
and meditation might be messy sometimes. And when you start, you might try completely different techniques. And when someone comes to you and asks you, oh, what techniques do you practice? You might just want to say, I don't know, all of them. I just try things. I, I try now. I'm playing. I'm seeing what works for me. And that's completely, completely fine. And that's what I encourage you to do. So in the beginning, play. And this brings me to the second reason. You might be having a hard time integrating a practice in your life because you might be a little too rigid in your approach and feel some pressure to perform, to do it right. Let me tell you this. There is no right way to do it and pressure to perform doesn't belong in your healing journey. Rigidity doesn't belong in your healing journey. Yes, you can stay committed and true to a practice, you can stay educated and want to follow some guidelines that's beautiful and completely fine. You can do all of that without being rigid. Remember that you can only learn while you are relaxed. You already have a lot of pressure in your life. If in your healing practice you're putting pressure as well, then for sure you won't like it. Your, your brain, your body will reject that. For sure you'll miss out the joy of it. And neuroscience proved that a stressed brain can simply not learn and is not open to newness, to new information, is not eager to integrate something new. A stressed brain will only deepen into the patterns and trauma that is already there. There will be already a lot to process in your practice. So don't be rigid in your approach. Don't feel like you have to perform in your yoga class. Don't feel like you have to do some pose the way everybody is doing it or to be at the level that everybody is at. That will only set you up for disappointment. The third reason why I see people not commit to their own practice, and this I have to admit that I've been very guilty of and I still sometimes am, is that you're afraid to take time for yourself. And I'm talking about the social aspect of it. I'm talking about the relationship aspect of it. To build a practice means that you have to literally detach from everything around you and create space for your practice, create time for your practice. When you're journaling, you obviously cannot do that while you're having your morning coffee with your partner in the kitchen, as usual. Now, I have a confession to make. If I feel afraid that I will disappoint others, I notice that I have this tendency or temptation to, and I notice this temptation to quit or to shorten my practice so that I won't stay too long, so I, I will reduce the discomfort of the other. Of course, it's easier when you're living alone. But even then, you might find yourself needing to ignore some emails, maybe reject a phone call. But the fact that you have to go there and be by yourself and do your practice for 15, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, however long you need, might be a bit uncomfortable in the beginning. You might have to do some explaining to the people whom you share your life with. <laughs> this might bring up something for you. And my dear, let me tell you this. In itself, this is a growing process. 
even before you even practice, the simple act of organizing for your practice, of announcing your practice and making it known that you right now are putting yourself first. You right now are choosing and are taking responsibility for your own health, for your own happiness, for your own well-being, tolerating the discomfort that might appear and having conversations with others around why you are doing this. Tolerating the fact that there might be a bit of confusion in the other. Like, why are you spending a whole hour by yourself in the bedroom or in the living room? Why are you spending that time with me? But to put that time first is to say to the world, I matter. My needs matter. My mental health matters. It's a sign of maturity. Yes, sometimes people may be surprised, especially if that's something new. Maybe some will be a bit disappointed. Where is our morning routine going away? Now you're suddenly taking one hour and a half every morning going to the gym or doing yoga. Um, Why do you want to sleep earlier? I thought we were reading together. This already um, may bring some discomfort, but... What you need to know is that choosing your practice will eventually make everyone happy. Because your happiness will radiate, will make you so much better at connecting. It will make you more productive, it will make you so beautiful to be around. And someone who notices that will be happy. Because your happiness will radiate onto them. You know, sometimes when you're on your journey to disappoint the right people in the right way is so much better than sacrificing what you need, what you want to do, and the hope that everything will be okay. Trust me, if you sacrifice, nothing can be okay. If you are not okay, nothing can be okay. You might think, oh, it's very innocent. I just sacrifice this time for myself. It's not important anyway. But it will reflect in resentment in your relationships. It will reflect in your goals, in your overall capacity to build the life that you want to build. If you tolerate some discomfort around you, including some new things in your life, creating a practice for yourself, you'll notice a lot of healing around you too. In my life, I've had to disappoint my family quite a lot. I've sometimes had to disappoint my partner because you have to take yourself away from everything in order to cultivate things deep down. In order to make something grow deep down, you have to come with all of the attention to yourself. And if you're going to take those 15 minutes, those 30 minutes to do that, whatever you cultivate inside of yourself will grow and it will be a joy for others to witness. It will be a joy. You will be so much more resourceful. And this is not to say that the purpose of your practice is for you to be resourceful for others. But it's a natural consequence. It's just something that happens. So please, please practice a bit more of 
disappointing others. And I'm, I feel like laughing right now because sometimes we might anticipate that we might disappoint people and they might actually be supportive. And this also happened to me quite a lot. We might think, oh, if I do this, then maybe they will get upset or they won't understand. But in reality, what happens is that they are happy that you're doing that. They're happy because they want you to be well. And people who love us will always, with a bit of conversation and contracting around what is happening, and because we also want to take people on our own journey. We want to take people on the journey. Taking time for yourself does not mean isolating completely from everything that is happening or not updating people in your life at all. You have to take them, if you want, you may invite them in your journey. And if you, and if you can tolerate that discomfort, it's going to be so, so, so worth it. It's okay if they don't understand. It's okay if they don't understand yet. Trust me, your happiness will radiate and make you so, so much better at connecting. And this brings me to the next argument. You might push away your practice because... You don't see immediate results or you don't know what to expect at the end of a certain time when you practice. And this is one that I used to fall into all the time. I thought that somehow I would have the same energy, the same focus, the same mental clarity and the same joy. I thought I would be as happy even if I skipped my practice for the day. Right? Sometimes we can slip into that temptation oh i'm not gonna do that today i'm just gonna skip it today and then in the middle of the day the consequence of not doing that would show up and i would, would <laughs> and i would regret skipping my morning meditation or breath work or stretch or yoga or journaling or whatever my practice was dominant at that time you don't think it will make an immediate difference or you don't see an immediate difference. And if you don't see an immediate difference, then you might wonder how will this influence me in the long run? It will. Trust me, it will. This is where you need to trust. Practice for the process itself and not for the final result. If you practice for the final result, you're getting attached to an image that might be very different from the actual outcome. The remedy to this to expectation, to wanting to see results, is to ground yourself into your deepest, deepest motivation. And now we're going to do an exercise together. Think about, right now, think about something that you want to include in your life, that you really want to commit to, that you really want to explore, something that you feel would help you a lot. Let's say meditation, let's say this just as an example, but it, it can be yoga, running, journaling, dancing, uh, sleeping, <laughs> eating better. But I will just use meditation as an example right now. Okay, think about that practice that really brings you joy. And now I'm going to ask you some questions. And these questions are going to help you establish the reason why your practice in itself is important. So the first question is, who am I that is doing this practice? Or what kind of person, what type of person I am who is doing this practice? For example, in meditation, you might say, I 
am doing meditation because I am someone who cares about their state throughout the day or I am someone who is committed to stay connected to herself or I am someone who cares about bringing peace into the world and then I want to make sure I have inner peace. But it may be actually any reason at all. Who are you who meditates? Who are you who is doing a yoga practice? For example, you might say, I'm doing a yoga practice because I am someone who cares about their own body. Or I'm going to the gym because I'm someone who values health. As soon as you establish your motivation to practice in your identity, the practice itself becomes the purpose. And you start to be detached from the result. You start to lose expectation. And you start to practice because that's who you are. You may even pause this audio and take some notes. But really ground yourself and this motivation. The next question is, why is it important to me to practice? And we stick to the same practice. If you chose meditation, stick to meditation. If you chose journaling, stick to journaling. Why is it important to me? And just feel that answer in your heart. And then ask yourself again, why is that important to me? So let's say... To the first question, your answer was, it's important to me to do meditation because I want to feel more balanced. To the next question, you'll ask, why is it important to me to be more balanced? Let's say, it's important to me to be more balanced because I want to show up better in the relationships in my life. And then we'll go on to the next question which will be why is it that important to you why is it important to me to continue that example to show up better in the relationships in my life and allow that answer to show up for you and really be honest be completely completely honest And last time, why is that important to you? Why is that important? And really drop the should answer. Drop what you, sh what you think you should be answering. And stick to what your heart is telling you. What do you really want, my dear? What do you really want? Is that craving? And your heart is speaking so loudly. How does that feel in your body? How does what you want feel in your body right now? And that is your purpose for practicing. As long as you practice for purpose, not for a result, you will start to see magic happening. And last but not least, the reason why you create resistance in your practice is that you don't enjoy it. You don't make it work for you. Let's say... You feel really drawn to start a yoga practice. And you say, oh, I'm going to do a practice. You do a YouTube search and you play a really advanced video. <laughs> and 
In that experience, you're sure to be disappointed. You're going to be discouraged. And you may say, oh, this is not for me. You may never get on a yoga mat for you. You might, might say, yoga is not for me. And to some extent, you might be right. That is not for you. But not yoga in itself, but that video that you played or that class, that really advanced class that you went to, was not for you. And when I say it was not for you, I'm not saying that you were not good enough for it or you weren't at the right level for it. It was just not what you needed right then. And the best remedy for that is to start from where you are at. And I don't mean level. I mean honoring what you need in that moment. Maybe when you begin, you think that your practice is linear. But let me tell you that even after, let's say, six months or a year or even after years of practicing, when you feel like you've made great progress, you feel like you're advancing, you start to see really see changes, you will have days where you can't really do that advanced yoga pose or days when you just want to do your regular routine. But in that particular day or week, you just need to rest and just keep it really simple. So always make your practice work for where you are in that moment. Honor your own needs. And by making your practice work, I also mean make sure you like it. Play some music that you like. Take care of your own space. Light a candle. Choose a space that really brings you joy. Find a really nice spot that you really feel connected to. And let go of how it should look like. Make it work for you. Make sure that you like it. If you want to practice yoga on classical music on Mozart, do that. It's beautiful. It's creative. Don't think that you have to subscribe to absolutely everything and that you have to meditate only with a Buddha statue. I have a Buddha statue. I love Buddha statue. Buddha works for me. It doesn't work for everyone. So find what resonates to you. If you really care about building a practice that sticks, follow the charm and trust your own charm. Explore, create time and space. Let go of expectations and let the magic unfold. I'm so grateful that I was able to share this with you. I really hope you've learned something about yourself today. Let me know in the comments. How do you feel about your own practice right now? What stage are you in your practice? And how do you feel about it? Are you just starting? Or... Are you advancing and feeling a bit stuck? Let me know in the comments and let's continue this conversation. I'm so grateful that you're here listening. Why don't we close this with a deep breath just to settle in and to integrate? Inhale. And gently exhale through the nose. I have a lot of gratitude in my heart right now. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.